Welcome to a bonus episode of the Origin Canine Podcast. In these bonus episodes, I interview people who are not specifically canine related and may or may not be in the military and law enforcement community. These guests are just as motivated, inspiring and authentic as my regular guests. For all my canine industry content, look for the numbered episodes. I hope you enjoy what follows. G'day guys, welcome to another episode of the Origin Canine Podcast. Um, today is somewhat of a bonus episode, I guess. Maybe I'll steal Muddy Morris from Zero Limits' uh, episode name, we'll call it the debrief. So, sitting in the car here with Sean O'Gorman from the Strong Life Project, and we are currently in the USA. So the whole point of today's episode is we're going to debrief um, what we've done so far in the US. Um, that's it. Welcome. Welcome, Tom. Thank you very much for having me on your podcast. It's also all Seeing good. This is how we spent the last 12 days together. Yeah. It's been yeah. amazing. Only made sense that I'll get you back on. <laughs> um, mate, it feels weird because we're like sitting in the car. So we've been doing this for 12 <laughs> days, driving along together. <laughs> just talking sitting shit, in. so we just thought we would record it for something different, which yeah. is amazing. Been an your... epic trip so far. Entertainment purposes. And we're both pretty tired, so for the listeners, it's... Um, what time is it? It's about five, uh, six o'clock in the morning, I think. Six a.m. We're driving an hour and a half to go, or hour forty-five to go do some canine training with uh, uh, some police canine handlers. Just been an epic trip, mate. Been so much fun already. Thank you so much for coming up with the idea six months ago or whatever it was to come over here, and it's been uh, it's been awesome. Yeah. Oh, we'll, we'll start from the beginning then, I guess. Um, so what happened? We got on the got on the plane it was all good no drama well I guess um, probably go back we started with a text from Tom to me oh, I was yep. in another podcast about six months ago no biggie and uh, we got I got a text it's actually from, no big deal at all <laughs> I, got, I got a text from Tom saying hey C-word let's go to SHOT Show and I didn't see it for two hours because uh, obviously I was tied up with this other person and then I look at my phone two hours later and there's seven text messages with ADHD Tom saying, why aren't you answering me? Answer your fucking phone. We're going to SHOT Show. What are you doing? And I looked at it and I thought, you know what? Yeah, something I wanted to do for a long time is bring Strong Life Project to America. Just didn't have the, the timing didn't feel right, opportunity didn't feel right. That felt right. I walked upstairs, saw Rach, my partner, said, hey, babe, I think I'm going to go to SHOT Show. She was like, yeah, sounds awesome. We did nothing for five months. Then we booked tickets. <laughs> and then the mad rush in the last month, accommodation, everything else in our typical ADHD style. Perfect. Then got on the plane. That's it. Yeah, so um, I guess for me, man, like the whole point of the trip was um, I wanted to kind of push myself a bit. The whole, the premise was I was speaking to someone on the phone and they were talking to me about something that was going on in their life and I was like, oh, fuck it, just do it, you know, just burn the boats, just got to go hard, make the decision, act, da-da-da-da. And I was giving this motivational speech to this mate of mine. And then I was like, why aren't I doing that? What else can I fucking do in my life? So I thought, fuck it, you know what? I've just seen this, like a post or something about SHOT Show. So I was like, well, that sounds like something that would make me, like, uncomfortable to go and commit myself to. So I thought, fuck it, let's just do that. And then, yeah, I thought, oh, well, who'd want to come with me? Because I was going to do it by myself, and that was the initial thought. I'll just do it on my own. Um, 
and then I thought, oh, who can come with me? And I thought of a few guys, and most of the guys I thought of would, would have probably been too busy to come because of the other stuff they do in their life. So I thought, oh, Soggy's a pretty flexible dude. So, so Sean does nothing in his life, so I'll yeah, see what Sean, he's doing. Sean yeah, doesn't yeah, do anything. So that seemed to work out well. No, what I meant, well, like, you're, you're, because you run your own business and you, you're pretty flexible and you're open to that type of stuff, that's why I was like, okay, cool, done. Yeah, for sure, mate. And that, um, clearly I was joking in the sense of, yeah, that's, I do have that advantage of running my own business and whatever. And, and it's probably a really good message for, from both of us to anyone listening to this, especially I know you get a lot of uh, military and ex-military guys listening and girls and police and the thing is you know if you put the effort in you take the risk and you work hard you can get to that point of freedom that you and I have both achieved which still is very challenging at times and it's difficult at times but I think this trip's taught me that is that so much of life is about managing that fear out and insecurity or fear out and anxiety and we'll get into that no doubt we've been through ups and downs and waves of that over this trip but overall it's been amazing but for me it was that opportunity to go fuck it what's the worst that could happen so we'll come over here, have a three-week holiday, hang out with a good friend of mine. You and I get on exceptionally well, 12 days in or whatever we are, haven't had a crossword, haven't had an argument, which is pretty amazing. I don't think I would be able to do that with many people. And uh, thankfully you had that courage to go, fuck, should we do this thing? I'd never even considered it. Yeah, no, thanks, bro. So, all right, well, let's, let's get into, like, what's happened so far. So we've... The flight was no drama. It was about a fourteen-hour flight. Um, I happened to know the one of the hosties, um, Kevin Crew. It's twenty twenty-three. <laughs> Jesus, mate. Hosties. I'm gonna call her hostie. Um, a chick that I went to school with. So that was good just to see her and say good day. She was epic. Lovely. She was lovely. What a, what yeah, a, what super a lovely. So India, if you're listening, um, that was so nice to see her, and you were extremely pleasant and very helpful on the flight. And doesn't know you very well because she thought you were a great guy. <laughs> she, she just knew me when I was a kid. Yeah, she knew you when you were a kid. You obviously hadn't turned putrid yet, which is, yeah. which is positive. Um, and then what happened, mate? We got into LA. We had um, one one family on the flight next to us that... Um, putrid family. We both wanted to inflict bodily harm on because of their attitude, but that, that passed. That was I just fine. wanted to fight the whole family, including <laughs> the kids. <laughs> <laughs> so we had, uh, then we got to LA, got on a plane, flew into San Diego. So we were 28 hours door to door. Tom stayed at my place on the night we left because we left early in the morning and we were door to door 28 hours, had about six hours sleep, landed, met our uh, now extremely good mate, Greg Tawney from DTAC K9, who's in Sacramento. Greg, awesome dude, absolutely fantastic guy and his wife Candace, who put us up for four days and organised a heap of cool shit for us to do. So he picked us up at the airport, it was awesome and then um, the adventures really began. Yeah. But how good was um, how good was so for the listeners for context? Greg was on Greg Tawney was on my podcast. I think he was episode three or four or something. And uh, we'd never met, obviously. We just did the podcast, and then I told him we were coming over, and he was like, "Oh fuck it, just come stay with me." Yeah, awesome. And uh, we just went, "Yeah, sure, done." And then we met him. You know the whole tribe thing we talk about. Yeah, like. Greg's, Greg's one of the tribe, you know what I mean? You meet him. We've met a few people like that too on this trip. Absolutely, mate. So many. Like, rocked up to, to the airport. Greg's picked us up, took us home. His amazing wife, Candice, was there. Had all his stuff prepared for us. Oh, she was unbelievable. Had the most epic house, the most beautiful house out in the country. Like a 10-acre ten ten ranch, as like, they called it, with goats and a, and a um, barn with a gym in it. Yeah, it was awesome. He, uh, so it's in the foothills of California, right? In the foothills of the Sierra. 
Sierra Mountains in yeah. Northern California, near Placerville. And she was phenomenal. She'd made up little packs of toiletry stuff for us and had snacks there left in our room and all this sort of stuff, which was awesome. She was just a really, really phenomenal person. Well, is a phenomenal person. And every morning we woke up, she cooked us hot breakfasts. He teed up a whole lot of stuff for us to do. Um, so that we got there Friday night, hung out with him Saturday, went on a bit of a sightseeing tour, did a bit of you know touristy sort of stuff, and then uh, which was epic. Then the real fun started on the Saturday night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we'll uh, we'll get into the ride along that we did. So that was probably one of the the main sort of uh, focal points of the Sacramento part of the trip, which was with Greg Tawney. So Greg runs a company called DTAC Canine, um, and he, he's a retired police canine officer. 25 um, years experience. Yeah, 25 years experience, and then he, like, you know, goes and feeds his training back into the agencies. And he's got about 23 agencies, he said. He, he I think 23 agencies, 75 or 76 canine handlers, so pretty awesome Yeah, business. We're giving back to um, that community, keeping cops safe. And, and that's, like... The, pretty much the whole theme of this trip right for us is like we just want to keep giving back to the community and you know the listeners know my insecurity around my dog career and now why I want to give back to that community with, with my gear for example and you're the same the way you left the cops with PTSD so that's the sort of stuff that we love so Greg isn't a dude that like left with PTSD or whatever he just retired from the police PH retired he, out of yeah, he I think it's 56 time. or something now yeah, yeah. Uh, he's super in shape, man. Like, he's still yeah. a pretty he's a bit of a weapon. Yeah, not probably not as jacked as I am. No, definitely not. Yeah, phew, that was close. Yeah. But um, yeah, anyway, so Greg organised this ride-along with the Sacramento Sheriff's Department, and he was explaining, at least I didn't know, the difference between, like, police department, state police, federal police, the Sheriff's Department, the uh, county ones, and all, I don't know, all the different sort of police departments and divisions. So it's very simply for your listeners... So yeah, there's two really, really two agencies. There's a police department, which is a municipal government-run department, like in Australia. And then there's you have your county sheriffs, and they have the city is within the county, so the county can still go do work in the city. The the you know borders are blurred in the sense of they go into each other's areas, support each other. But the county is probably like we understand it as police officers in Australia, run by government. Whereas the county resource is run by a board and a sheriff, so the sheriff's elected to be the head of that agency. So certainly my interpretation of it is that the sheriff has more say, it's probably less of that government oversight, less of that, um, as we have in Australia now, like that very sort of softly, softly approach. So when we were rolling with the canine dudes from Sacramento, Sacramento County Sheriff, they were awesome, they were really getting after it. They were doing some amazing work. And, yeah. um, and that's, that's why Greg selected those dudes, eh? Because they were such go-getters. So those two boys, so Jeb and Brandon. Jeb, if Brandon, you're listening, yeah. two legendary guys, awesome, awesome dudes. Um, Brandon's dog, Philbert, was an epic male. Lusaz, Dax, was um, Jeb's dog. It's Jeb's dog, yeah. If you look up um, canine Dax, Dax. Yeah. C-A-N-I-N-E underscore D-A-X. He uh, has his own Instagram page. Then met another guy, DJ Black, Dylan Black, awesome dude with his dog Roscoe, big black German Shepherd. So these three guys were like hanging out with chatting. Really cool, it was raining and pretty cold the night we went out, so not much was happening for the first few hours. So just driving around, getting to know what they do. Well, why don't you 
why don't you debrief what you did in your car, and then I'll debrief what I did in my Sweet. car, and then we'll converge on the cool. the end of the night. So the difference between what um, Tom and I did is Brandon and I weren't holding hands. Not that there's anything wrong with that. It's 2023. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so we were just generally patrolling around. These was that his have, hand, was it? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> These guys have number plate recognition cameras over here, so we were... You know, there's a couple of times there on different part, different intersections, they have number plate recognition, pops up on a computer stolen car. So we went hunting those, pulled over a few cars, went to a, uh, like a uh, robbery where a guy had gone into uh, like a Kmart type store for the Australian, for your Australian listeners. So like a, a department store, you know, discount department store. He'd gone in there and stolen some gear and then they'd take his bag off and got in a fight with a security guy and then taken off on foot so we went looking for him couldn't find him just cruised around um what else we did we rolled in a couple of other things i can't remember what they were now but um just pretty and i don't mean disrespect to these dudes run of the mill but the sort of stuff that you know i've done heaps of when i was a police officer although that was a long time ago but just got a, a long like a number of hours just hanging out with brandon guy in his mid-30s couple of kids ex-marine um, had been to Afghanistan, really cool dude, just talking about what the difference in policing there was to here, was really eye-opening, but the thing that really struck me was the fact that, same personalities, even though he's, you know, like your age bro, early 30, so 20 years younger than me, just, him and I clicked really well, had a great time together, just, you know, chats about so much different stuff, it was freaking awesome, it was really, really enjoyable. Yeah, and then probably about that point you've we've, we've all converged on that little sure, siege thing and you're so, gonna debrief your yeah i'll go through my one so because you um, just ruined it with the siege thing i was holding that in suspense <laughs> but no well, if you've seen the social media and don't feel bad <laughs> yeah. it's my podcast I do it oh like. sorry about that's right yeah i forgot um <clears throat> so when i met up with jeb um we rolled around for a little bit i just was asking him questions about SOPs just to make sure because I'd never done a ride along or even I didn't really sure. know what a ride along was like I get the concept but I was like do they do like, I get to drive do you uh, 100% I was like do they deputize me do they <laughs> do I get a gun like what happens if this guy gets in a shootout am I just a fucking like I'll stay in the car and I just and that was the ironic part of you and I having that conversation before it right where we were in the plane and I was like Hey, bro, do you reckon they'll give us a gun? Like, do you reckon we'll get a Glock or something just as backup? Okay, because we're, we're rolling in the States with a canine handler and shit goes bad. I don't want to be standing there with my phone. With like, your dick in your hands. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. And unfortunately, the answer was no, they didn't give us guns. <laughs> so, yeah, that was the stuff that was going through my mind. So I was like, all right, bro, where's your med kit? Where's your tourniquet? Yeah, for sure. Um, what are the commands for your dog? Um, do you say, hands up, don't move, get in the ground? I was just like, hey, what, what's, the, what's the go, man? What do I do if the shit goes south? So I did exactly the opposite of that. Didn't ask any of those questions. <laughs> was like, probably because you know what you're doing more in, that, in that instance. If Potentially, but yeah, sure. Yeah, because I, I had no idea. I was like, in my mind, I'm like, oh, you know, there's a fucking dude with a gun. Like, you just shoot him. That's that's the, the military sort of thing. Sure. The context yeah, yeah, is for different. sure. Totally. So I was asking all these questions, and he was like, he was super, I wouldn't say blasé, but he was pretty chill. He was like, yeah, it's all good, man. Like, you know, make kids there. These are the commands. This is what we say, da, 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 all good. And I was like, cool, because I'll do as much or as little as you want. Yeah. <clears throat> and I said, just tell me when to back off. And luckily, you know, we didn't need to do anything like that, but 
So we pretty much started off by having a quick drive around. He just told me about the area. I think he was sussing me out a bit, like, who's this guy sort of thing. Oh, 100% me too, yeah, yeah. And um, Which is so normal, right? Yeah, yeah, you don't want to, you know, say something stupid or go and, you know, get in the thick of it if <coughs> you're with some fucking spastic that I know when, uh, can't hold himself. Just to bring it back to me for a minute. Mm. I know back in... Um, Please do. Surprising. In my dog sweat career many, many years ago, I took out one of the senior non-sworn members of uh, for industrial relations because we didn't do ride-alongs like they do in the States. And I remember thinking, like, I really didn't want to take this guy out at all because I was like, well, this is really going to get in the way of me doing my job. And when he got in the car, in my mind, I was like, well, this shift I'm doing absolutely nothing because I don't want to get in the shit because this guy, you know, sees something a different way than it is or whatever. So those guys certainly would have had that insecurity and fear of going, well, who are these dudes? And I guess knowing your your, you know, XSF canine handler, me being ex-police canine handler, that gives you some credibility, but certainly there was a short period of feeling out, probably 30 minutes or so, maybe. Yeah, I'd say so. Just just the chit-chat sort of stuff, because I was nervous too. Yeah, sure. I was like, oh man, am I going to look like, a, am I going to say something dumb? Sure. He's, I'm not, you know, I wasn't and a canine handler for, for you that. particularly, you're guaranteed to, so you probably just <laughs> accept that. It's just, just a matter of time. It's just a part of it. <laughs> I was worried about leaving you on your own, actually. That's what I was worried about. Just in case I was harassing him or something? Yeah. Yeah. You did something dumb. Um, so anyway, we um, pretty much the first stop for us was he goes, hey, man, I lost a partner of mine about... Mm. How, long, how long ago was that? Two years ago. Like, it was... It was. Oh, man, I'm going to forget. I'm going to mess up this date, I think. So I think it was the 18th of January 2021. They lost a, a canine handler out of Gibson. And a canine Riley, a police dog. Yeah. Who and Riley was another handler's dog. Um, yeah. Well, you tell the story, man. It's... Yeah. So it sounded like there was a. Um, it was a. Uh, I think they were doing something pretty standard, like they were doing a traffic stop, or there was a guy that was wanted for some DV or something. Yeah, it was a pursuit. Yeah. Yes, there was a pursuit, and then they pulled up. And I, I won't go into the specifics because I think this is, you know, they like to keep that sort of stuff to turn to the department for a variety of reasons. Long story short, the guy was in the car, they deployed the dog, and the dog ended up getting shot. Yeah. Um, and then, the, you know, one of the guys moved up to, up to the car, and then he ended up getting shot as well. And that was um, obviously Adam. Um, and then they both passed away. And, and there was then, another uh, officer shot as well. Another officer shot, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And then so the dog shot in the, the dog hand handler of Canon Riley, whose name I might say he's uh, still serving, yeah. he, um, they did, you know, they went to apprehend this guy. This guy was in the car, had a weapon. They had shields and all of the things that tactically that they would do. One police officer, Adam Gibson, was shot and killed. The K-9 Riley was shot and killed. All in a split second, they all returned fire, clearly. Wow, um, that is a fast car. And they took out the suspect. And, um, yeah, so... It was basically a suicide by cop. Like, the guy was yeah, ready to go, much. right? Yeah. yeah, pretty much. So, anyway, that was the context in which we came into in yeah, this wow. ride along so I was a bit like I was, I was nervous man I was like Jesus sure. what do I fucking there's a real gunfight like I've yeah. got nothing on me is yeah. this and I was looking at the car going is this thing fucking got like up armoured so it is it is yeah and I yeah. saw the little armour panel so anyway first stop for us mate was we went to the to the grave site <coughs> he took me, me to, the, to the cemetery um, and he said yeah I, I go there and fuck it, it it made me emotional man I'll for tell sure. you because I was like that was about 30 minutes to an hour in, and yeah. I was like, it kind of felt like the guy trusted me a little bit, trusted yeah. me enough to take me there. Sure. So we went there, he tended to the grave because there'd been a fair bit of weather beforehand, so, you know, 
picked up the, the, the flag and unfurled the, uh, the little banner and just took, just tended to the gravesite and it was, it was so nice to see. Because that cat, that handler was his best mate. It was his best mate, yeah. yeah his best it friend. was Jeb's best mate. Yeah. Just so, um, and then we, we went to three more grave sites yeah, for wow. like other guys. And yeah. I was like, fucking hell man, like that's not, we don't, we don't have that at home. We don't have that, like, you know, and obviously we had the Wine Village shooting recently with the two police officers killed there. Yeah, but we don't um, have on mass. No. Like, they lost something like 200 and something officers last year. In, in America, yeah. And like 22 dogs. And the thing in the States that, obviously, there's 330 million people, we have 26 or 28 million, so there's a lot more people. Yeah. 66,000 cops in Australia, 990,000 cops in the States. And obviously their gun culture is different. And you know we're not going to get into the Second Amendment argument. My personal opinion is, I'm, I'm being over here. I'm um, I have no problem with it. In in a lot of ways, what I've found is people are a lot more polite over here. Yeah, and I've, like I've not felt unsafe anywhere. Not at all. At no, all. not at all. Even even at the even on the ride along. Even on the ride along, I was like, oh, I'm pretty confident this dude knows what he's doing. Absolutely. Yeah. They were both consummate professionals in what they did. They were very very competent officers. And equally funny dudes. Like, they they didn't take themselves super seriously. Like, they were very much American versions of you and I, right? In a lot of respects. Like, Pretty just much, that same yeah. humour. Um, felt, felt really connected and bonded to them very quickly, which was yeah. which was awesome. And because they were so open with us, that was easy to do. Yeah. I'm sure if we were, you know, too fucking random, or we asked civvies, but if we were too random... For sure. People that had no military or law enforcement experience, nothing knew nothing about dogs it'd be very different they probably would have kept it quiet for sure or they would have been like just shut up don't fucking touch anything stay in the car yeah you know I'll call for a backup or whatever and and certainly when I got in the car and I'm sure you did the same I said look mate I appreciate it like they've got they run body cameras they run vehicle cameras I said I realise everything's recorded I'm not going to get involved unless you need me to you call you tell me what you want me to do and I said whatever happens I've got your back and probably different to me for you mate having that previous police experience I said mate I know the sort of bullshit you can get get with you know what they call admin what we call bosses so I think from the start he's sort of like oh yeah and I, you know I said mate I had seven years of assault complaints in my police career blah 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 so he was probably pretty quickly like oh yeah this dude gets it yeah and, yeah exactly and your personality mate I'm sure Jeb was exactly the same yeah we got along pretty pretty well pretty quick so yeah, man, pretty much like our shift started off, we just did a, the same thing, pulled over a couple of cars, I made sure I got out, um, had a little, you know, tried to place myself in somewhere so, somewhat tactical, but it had a, a bit of an advantage. Yep. Um, not that I needed to do anything. Um, pulled over a few cars, um, where else did we go? Went, we drove through the ghetto, um, yeah, yeah, the hood, yeah. and even in the ghetto, I was like, I feel pretty safe. Like, I'm, yeah. A, I'm with this guy that knows what he's doing, but yeah. B, like it just didn't seem very menacing if that makes sense no. so there weren't a lot of gang members walking around yeah. or anything um plus i think the rain helped and like it's, it's winter keep it's a lot rain, of, so yeah under, keep a lot of people probably indoors. seven or eight degrees yeah so yeah so absolutely. we did that man he was just showing me the town some homeless camps um then we went to mm. homeless problems really epic is a big different uh, different thing to home right yeah it was different eh? yeah massive homeless and there was one part the duck pond they called it where there was just like rows and you know all along the side of the road in a very industrial area heaps of you know mobile homes and um, little tents and yeah heaps of homeless yeah and then because I, I was asking Jeb I was like 
what happens to these guys? And they go, oh, we'll just move them on. And I go, where do you move them on to? It's like, they just go to the next place. Yeah. And I was like, fucking hell. And I guess it's not, that's not their job to go, hey guys, something about your childhood and your education no. and no. here's some money so you can do X, Y, Z and help you with a drug problem. They're just like, that's all they can really do. So with us, anyway, we went to a, like a, a shooting not like no one got shot, but there was a shooting. A guy had fired some rounds in the air, so we rocked up. He was being questioned. The guy got arrested. We were looking for bullet casings. Then you and I went to oh, that. We rolled to this that. This is yeah. before you I and totally I went to that, that one. same one at the apartment complex. Someone had fired some shots. There was a, an argument between two partner. females. Yeah, and um, someone one of fired them had some run shots out with the kid. Got in the car, and the other one had thrown shots at the car. Oh, so I think she pistol whipped the lady inside. That's right. So she we went had, inside, and there was a lot of blood, blood on the floor, and the. And then she um, had enough time to stash the pistol, so we were looking for the pistol. And so yeah, casings, and that's it's weird, right? And most of your audience are police and military, so they get it. But I just think, isn't that strange when you think of personalities because of the jobs you and I used to do? We're like, oh, I forgot about that job where that woman got pistol whipped and they threw shots at her. You know, like it's uh, it's interesting. Yeah, I I totally forgot about that till that very moment. Yeah, yeah weird. And so then, then I think after that we. Because you and I, we went to that robbery job, the same one at the same time. We both went to that shooting yep. in the apartment complex. They were very competitive, which yeah. is awesome. Like, my dudes, Brandon, Brandon was like, we've got to get some man, we've got to get, we've got to beat Jeb. And Jeb was obviously probably the same. Yes, like, exactly which was, which the same. Awesome. Exactly the same. So then we, you and I, um, we, all, we all converged, and we, that's when we, we met DJ in that parking lot. We converged. Yeah. They were just showing us a bit of their stuff and the way they do things. And then, um, and it was a very similar thing, mate, to cut you off. And when I was a canine handler, it was exactly the same. Where you'd you'd go to a shopping centre, car park, do you know, get your dog out, run, run your dog, you know, do a little bit of obedience with him just to keep him sharp. And then you know the other boys call up, and go, hey bro, what are you doing? I was just over at blah blah blah. So they came over, and we were just all sort of sitting around talking shit. They were showing us heaps of videos of their, you know, tracks and dog bites and takedowns and. Yeah, awesome. from their chopper footage and, and you can see they're just very exactly like a lot of the guys you know I do a lot of stuff with the Brisbane Dog Squad back home um, and I know some of those dudes listen to, to the podcast very very similar personalities you know where they're just they really are hunters in the sense of they really putting their lives on the line every fucking day to protect their community and you know they're chasing these carjacking suspects, DV, murder suspects, all these people that they're chasing with dogs through backyards and you can just see from the from their chopper footage how risky it is, yet how they're just willing to do that every day. And stuff that I think our police officers and military take for granted. So it's really cool for me to be there looking at these videos and they were so proud of the work they do. So they, it wasn't a bloodlust thing where they're like, oh man, look how bad we messed this dude up. It was there was a pride in them going, hey, we caught this guy who'd done these really violent things, and they were telling us what the crimes. They weren't just like, oh, we just bit this dude. No, not they at were all. like, this dude was a pedophile, or this guy smacked yeah. his missus up and was shooting cops, or, or yeah. Then they even bit a fucking cop killer at one point. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's right. Yeah, hundred percent. So that, that's the sort of stuff that was. Um, but you know what sort of struck me, dude? This is going to be a long debrief. Yeah, it's <laughs> all right. We got time. Was how how bad things could have been at every turn during the night and I could see how someone could get something like PTSD or could be find it hard to relax in their own community because 
you know, we went from like a shooting job to like pulling over some stuff for some people some, for some mundane things to a siege at the end of the night to like a robbery and then it was like every time we pulled up at a set of lights before I sort of relaxed a bit and knew what was going on. I was looking in the mirror going like, Oh, me too. Is someone going to come up to the For sure. passenger side and yep. fire around in the window? You know, is that what <coughs> I was like, because I've got nothing to base any of this on. I was like, is that what happens in, in the States? Mate, we pulled up. And I could see how you would, you could easily go. Totally. Oh, I've always got to look out for the threat. This could be the last fucking stop that I ever do. Going to this siege could mean I'll never see my kids again. That was the sort of stuff where I was like, Imagine doing that every single fucking day and then getting yelled at by idiots and then, like, the, the heinous things that you would see, like, the things with kids or... Absolutely. The poverty, the domestic yeah. violence. So yeah. I was like, I could see how this job would wear on someone in a, in a, in a serious down, way. Yeah. yeah. It's it a, gave me a new appreciation for policing, man. Mate, we pulled... Um, Brandon and I pulled up one car. It was, like, a, an, old, an old black BMW. had no plates. Drove like an idiot. Blacked out windows... And as we're, it went, we came out of a, a sort of side street in behind it. And he goes, oh, he goes, this could be something. I said, that looks like a gang car. He goes, absolutely. So we're rolling up on and it's going really quick through the traffic. And he's driving along, doing checks on it. And we put in a, we, he hits the lights and it pulls into a car park and we stop. And it's blacked out windows, blacked out car. Very gang looking from what I see based on, you know, YouTube videos of movies. Yeah. So it's ridiculous. <clears throat> and I get out of the car behind cover behind the door and, and I've got, you know, the spotlight on the door pillar pointed on the car. He's got his on the car. He's calling the driver. And I'm looking and going, holy shit. Like, that is where I think it's pretty different over here in the sense of a lot of people every day carry weapons, even here in California. We're off to Texas in a few days, which obviously is even more prevalent. That's a bit different. In Australia, I know there's a lot of illegal handguns and a lot of cops are taking guns off the street, handguns off the street every day around southeast Queensland. But that, for me, watching them and thinking, holy shit, like every interaction is a potential life or death um, situation. No matter how mundane, eh? 100%. And, yeah. and it actually gave me a new appreciation for policing outside of... When I did it myself, I didn't really appreciate that, I guess. As an older guy now, with hopefully a little bit more wisdom, not much more, I certainly appreciated that. So yeah, it was yeah, it was awesome. So I yeah, all right. And then pretty much at the end of the night, so when we went up in that car park watching some videos, Jeb taps him on the shoulder and goes, "Hey, bro, we're just gonna go take a piss." <laughs> and I was like, "Oh no, I want to watch cool videos." And he's like, "No, no, let's go. We're gonna we're gonna go take a piss." And I was like, "Oh, okay, let's go." <laughs> You guys had cottoned onto that. Well, it, it well, was obvious that something had so come Brandon, on the radio. At, at exactly the same time, Brandon goes, Sean, really quietly. I look at him and he's just like, cocks his head like, get the fucking car. <laughs> and I was like, so I just you know, walk over to the car quietly, jump in the car. I'm like, what's going on, man? He goes, and you, you go. Oh, yeah. So then Jeb was like, let's go, let's go, let's go. And I was like, cool, I jumped in the car. And he goes, uh, there's a siege or a armed offender or something, whatever the... Yep. the wording was and we Shoot, just went yeah. like lights and sirens what's that code 3 here yeah code 3 so they, they call it running code, code. so it, so the three of the so they've got big Chevy Tahoe I think the Chevy Tahoe is like big SUV sort of like in Australia think of Land Cruisers but bigger V8 cars we jump in those the three of us all reverse out together and it's exactly like it was when I was in the cops it's like you want to get out first you want to be the first one there so then the three of us like very professional but three of them running code 
in a row to this job and it was a uh, shots fired potential barricaded suspect a dude with two hostages um, a couple of cops had rolled up on a shooting call in an apartment complex in a lower socioeconomic area and the cops had seen an individual with a semi-automatic pistol who'd racked the pistol and appeared to take two other people hostage and walk them into an apartment so as we're rolling there it was um it was awesome like so we're, we're going pretty fast we were the lead car the car i was in and um then tom's behind us and then dj behind them and as we're just rolling up and there was two uniform like two patrol vehicles in front of us at distance and we were getting every red light so as we're rolling up on these red lights at pace then you know so we're calling intersections you know as a, as a police officer if there's two of you in the car for me in the passenger seat on the right hand side of the vehicle in america as you're rolling up on the intersection my job is to make sure it's clear on the right so i'm like and i said to him i'll call clear even and that was part of the sap stuff i was like so what did you call clear do you call what and he goes yep clear up there's nothing if there's a car call stop 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 i'm like yep gotcha so we're cruising along we're seeing cars coming and i've got to judge a distance speed clear and then he'd nail it and we'd go through it was awesome so much fun yeah heaps of fun and um and then but the, the radio chatter was interesting for me because whoever was at the scene at the time was managing it quite well and we know who it turned out to be yeah but um epic job and they, they were just talking about getting the the choppers out of the airspace you know standing off from the target because um, at this stage the offender off. didn't know yeah. that the cops were there so they'd taken them into the unit they didn't have a chance to confront them so the guy so managing the scene had a lot of situational awareness did and, uh, and was ma- managing a lot of moving pieces too but the, and that's what struck me as well was how many different PDs converged on that one scene and the amount of deconfliction that you would have to do and how and how um, they are competitive but they're also very respectful of each other and super professional so yeah there was a couple of things struck me as we were rolling there and then they were like you know all units <clears throat> please like no sirens as you get closer because obviously you don't want to alert the, the suspect to the cops presence and he doesn't know that they're there yet and so everyone's turning their sirens off and there wasn't there was a whole lot everything was calm and just very professional and as we roll up there there were when we first got there we're standing around outside there was 20 because they all roll one up so they all they're all single officer patrols there was 20 vehicles and 20 police officers and dude just rolling out of their car like all of them had ballistic helmets a lot of them had oh they're ready to rock man they had m4s or ar like semi-automatic weapons they were really switched on really switched on it was good to see that they could transition from regular beat cop patrol with their uniform to then ballistic helmets got their ar platforms um and their their body armor plate carriers so that that was that was really interesting for me to see because they weren't like oh fuck, we need swat they were like no no we're ready yeah we're ready to roll so then we, we rocked up right, they, they contained this little scene, had an inner cordon, outer cordon, um, and then the, the, I don't know what you call them, ground force commander, incident commander, Tactic, whatever. Yeah, tactical commander, yeah. Tactical commander was like wheeling and dealing, moving people around via the, the comms. So there's the comms issue too, there was a lot of deconflicting between different channels. So they were doing all that sort of stuff. In the meantime, they were talking about we're gonna, they were gonna place dogs and intercepting and that type of stuff. So then you and I just stuck to, Jeb and Brandon, like Lou, we moved around the back. Well, those two boys those were, two were like, pretty proactive. Yeah, so they, they were, were like, we're going to move here. And this that was the part that I found really funny, right? One of the, which is so typical of, of the old department I worked in. 
and I think police and canine handlers in general are the same worldwide. Competitive, they're hunters. Um, stuff that I've really got new appreciation appreciation for even on this trip is, um, you know, little things like we turn up there and, and I was standing with Brandon, Jeb and you and DJ and cars were pulling up, police cars were pulling up and they'd all drive in, no lights, no headlights, no anything, like super tactically aware. And as they drive in, Jeb turned to me and goes, mate, can you get those, like not mate, well, whatever he said, get those cars out of here because there was cops parking where there was where there's the big potential for the offenders to come out and then be in the line of fire. I'm like, and I, in my head, I'm like, well, fucking no one's gonna listen to me, bro. Like, I'm just cruising around <laughs> here in fucking jeans and, and, a, and a jacket, you know. So I just went over to these guys and I'm like, hey, excuse me, mate. Um, I'm doing a canine ride along. Sack County guys asked us, can you move down there? This is the offenders, these are the units. And they're like, yes, yes, sir, absolutely. So they were all so respectful, right? There was no, they sort of look at me weird at the start, and then I'd say, hey, this is, I'm with the canine dudes, I'm doing this ride along, they've asked me to ask you to move, if that's okay. And they'd be like, yes, sir, no problem. So they, they, there was no arrogance. There was no, like, who the fuck are you? Like, don't tell me what to do. There was, yeah. It was really, really, like, they were just very civil and it was a very team environment, which I noticed. But imagine the processing they've got to do, like... Who's dude, this dude? A dude in Civi, some yeah. random Australian guy told me. This random Australian dude. That my apartment <laughs> building is besieged. Yeah. And they're like... So, you know, that just, just that willingness to work together was really obvious. Yeah. Pretty cool. But there was a couple of fucking tits that were like... Oh, but I live just there. Like, oh no, I, sorry. I mean, police officers pulling oh, the, up in vehicles. Oh, gotcha. No, yeah, no, yeah. Not civilians. Yeah, no, the cops that were pulling up. Oh, in the, the civvies were. Uh, yeah, there's um, a couple of dead shits there. What, no, and, but I just live there. And it was the yeah, typical just thing. A gun there. The same thing that happens in Australia. Like you've got people who turn up, members of the public. There's one dude in particular pulls up and goes, "Hey, I've like so there's 15 police cars all parked on the street, blocking driveways, and this dude's like, oh, I've got to get in there." And one of the, the cops are like. Uh, sorry, no, you can't. But that's where I live. And they're like, <laughs> um, there's someone with a gun, you can't come in. Yeah, but it's just there, I can see it. So that same interaction with the public, where the public have no freaking idea what's going on. Yeah. And these guys are treating them very respectfully, like, well, I don't know what to tell you, you've got to go, move on. And they were strong but polite. Like, there was no, and it was, it was really interesting because a number of the people who pulled up were African American. They, and, couple of them were getting quite irate and the cops were so professional and the whole Black Lives Matter thing the whole you know we hear so much about the the way that uh, African Americans are treated by police and there was absolutely not a hint of any of that that I saw at that scene like that was so professional yeah like to to the point of being I'm like you're being too polite just tell them to fuck off like they're in the way but they, yeah they were amazing in that yeah alright so then what happened we moved around the back and um, they positioned themselves at the like close to the entry point so when we moved up under that little that little car park awning sort of piece there was a guy there that was wheeling and dealing um, on the radio he was you know deconflicting these different departments um, talking about um, it, uh, like sorry, fire lanes even, and even go back a step there was that thing I just remember that because there's a lot of different agencies there was an agency oh, turned up an agency turned up from a different from a different area. So if in, in Australia where they're police divisions and it's all one set of Queensland police, every division is basically in, uh, uh, its own department. So this department turned up from a different place, um, two dudes in patrol cars and a canine handler. And because we, like our three canine dudes were there, the Sac County Sheriff dudes are, uh, as many people said, held up as one of the better canine units in that area. 
So they turned up and like one of the patrol guys from this other area said, hey, we can go and take that cordon point. Um, we've got two patrol on the canine. And our, one of our dudes goes, yeah, stand out, mate. The three canines here, we've got it. It's so good. it was this competitive stuff straight away. It was awesome. Yeah. And then so those two, and then a little bit later, the, the incident commander that was on the outer cordon was like, okay, so I need a canine and blah, blah, blah to go around here. This guy goes, yep, we got a canine two patrol. We'll take that. And you can see our guys look at each other like, what the fuck's this dude doing? So they go get in their cars. I saw our three guys look at each other, chat, and I was like, this will be awesome. And then they go straight out, get their dog, and we actually walk around, not past the apartment, but a shorter route that's a little bit more exposed rather than drive all the way around the block where these other guys get to get into position first. Oh, that's right. That, that's why we did that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we stuck to those guys, moved around and the they, back. And they said to us, hey, you guys, you do whatever you want to do. If you want to stay here at the cars, that's cool, we get it. And we're like, fuck no, we're coming with you. And they're like, okay, stick to us like glue. We're like, done. So we just stuck to them like glue where they went. Yeah. The funny part, I don't know if I can mention this or not, but there was an AR in our car, which is pretty standard for them. Yeah. So semi-automatic rifle. Semi-automatic yeah. rifle, so like an, like an M4, M16. So something you would have used a thousand times. Yeah, it's, it's a standard issue weapon I used to use in, in Tucumano. In Tucumano, yeah. When we got there... Because you used to be Special Forces, right? I was a Special oper Operations <laughs> soldier. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so when we got there, I was like, oh, cool, Siege. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to go out like some punk bitch. So I, gr I grabbed the M4 <laughs> and I had it slung. And he was like, oh, there's probably too many agencies here for you to do that. Which was his nice way of going, put the gun back. <laughs> Which is a nice way of going, hey, bro, put the, uh, put put the, the, gun back put the M4 back you're down. You're a moron. So I put, it, I put it back and I got out, but I still had the sling on. And Soggy's like, what's that? I was like, oh, nothing. <laughs> just, just ready to go. Anyway, so we went around the back, and there was the guy there that was doing all the deconflicting and then taking control of the, of yeah, the scene. Doing an amazing job. And um, he was talking to our guys, and I was like, this guy looks really familiar. And he turned around at one stage, because we were in plain clothes, obviously. <laughs> yeah, and he, he goes, goes, are, are you, you guys SSD? SSD? Now, I didn't know what that meant. It meant Sacramento, Sacramento Sheriff's Department. He goes, a USS, looks at me and goes, a USSD. And I was like, yeah. Because I was like, I don't know what that means, but if I say no, I get the feeling I'm going to get kicked out of here. So I just said, yeah. But it could have been like, are you like some spastic dude or something? It you know, like, been, yeah. oh, okay, well then get out of here. We yeah. were like, oh, no, 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 that's not what I meant. But yeah, so he goes, he would talk, briefly spoke to us and then was doing all this stuff on the radio and whatnot. And then we were talking to Jeb and Brandon and he turns around and goes, are you the two Australians? And we're like, yeah, yeah. And he goes, hey man, my name's Kyle. And I was yeah. like, oh, it's Kyle Schoberg. Runs from, the Shots um, Fired podcast. Runs the Shots Fired podcast. Because I'd spoken to him briefly on yeah, social awesome media before dude. we got there. So the whole turn of events was so funny. We just rocked up and he was just there. And purely by coincidence, we ended up standing right next to him. Yep. And he's like, hey man, how you going? Oh, good to see you, this and that. But yeah, that, I just thought that was the most coincidental part of the night. And that he fucking heard of us. And he, um, <coughs> excuse me, so he, the podcast studio that Greg Tornier runs, Police Canine Radio, is in the same studio, Kyle Schoberg, they're good friends. Kyle's a former police canine handler, he's now a sergeant. So sergeants there are the, the shift supervisors run the tactics. Awesome dude, did an amazing job. Then we're just, so we're hanging out there, we can hear, so there's, I don't know how many cops, 15 in an inner court, and a lot of them with weapons, they had less than lethal shotgun, shotguns. They had all just a lot of really professional things. 
the way they ran it was epic. Everyone was super quiet. They were all very, like the Kyle was the tactical commander. He's running the scene, doing a great job. And we could hear the guy in the unit racking the pistol and going, I'm going to fucking kill you. Boom, making noises like you're shooting, yelling a lot. And that went on for probably an hour and a half. Yes. And um, they had Bearcats being deployed. So Bearcat being a big armoured vehicle that our SWAT or CERT team, SOG, whatever it is, TRU in Australia use. These guys have it sitting at the station and, and general, general duties patrol officers drive it. So, you know, two guys fly back to the station, they jump at the Bearcat and they come out with it. So we were waiting for that. So the Bearcat came out and um, so they drove that into the car park and positioned it uh, where it gave them good cover and like there was 90 minutes we just there waiting and they're waiting they're setting up cordons they're doing such great jobs choppers came out they sent them away because they didn't want the noise just a whole lot of really professional uh, uh, decisions they made it was actually really good to watch and but the amount of guns they had with the cops and then the gun inside the apartment by the time the whole thing was, was resolved, not a single shot was fired, lethal no. or non-lethal, no. from anyone, from the offender, for the cops. I thought it was pretty cool. And they had excellent actions on drills. So, you know, Kyle was on the radio saying, if the so if the suspects, they had to, they were on the second floor unit, had to come out and set us on a, on a landing, it could go either way on the stairs, towards us or towards the back of the building. They had other officers with containment positions at the back, so they were, if they come out and come towards us, we'll call commands and he would go, so you call commands. Um, and then he's on the radio saying, so the unit's at this corner, you stay quiet, These, this position's gonna call commands. So they didn't have 15 people, you know, get on the ground, put your hands up, do this, do that. So even that level of professionalism was pretty amazing. Yeah. So Kyle, if you're listening, bro, Kyle Schoberg, um, you did a fucking good yeah, job, good man. job, mate. Amazing like we, job. We could kind of tell he was a bit nervous. He was like, because I think he's relatively new to the sergeant role. I think he's been in the role about a year and a half. Yeah. But there was a shitload of moving pieces. But he did a fucking good job, man. Absolutely. And there's a shitload of moving pieces. And when Creeping I say nervous, cops. I mean like, well, but, but, from, a, from a responsibility point of view. Absolutely. Not like, oh, I hope I don't get shot. No, no, no. Like, very much just on the ball, making sure he did it well, but not blase. Mm. It's probably, probably how I would... Describe yeah. it. Well, let's let's fast forward then. So the, the the siege ended up ending with the guy coming out of his own accord, um, not knowing the police were there. Yeah, didn't know the cops were there, and there was like a lot of police there. So it was yeah. good. Anyway, the guy came out. Um, you know, released the two hostages. They went into police custody. Well, he sat even, there for a minute. Probably sort of, even put it a little bit. I would say different. The three of them came out together, unknown what was happening, and as soon as they call police police you know don't move the two other oh, two dudes yeah like sort of started scampering down the stairs away from the offender yeah so you could tell that they was you know they were happy to get away from this dude obviously yeah and he, he was non-compliant he wasn't following direction he, he was sitting back at the top the of the stairs yeah obviously stashed a gun yeah just a bit of a fuckhead but you could tell he was like a rule like just a grub like it was just grub politics and he went so they got the surprise of the cops being there the two hostages were compliant immediately. The other dude looked, went back and started mucking around with the keys, getting back in the unit, in the apartment. They're calling on him, you know, stop, stop where you are, show us your hands, show us your hands, show us your hands. He wouldn't, went back in the unit, came out two or three minutes later and was still like non-compliant. And then eventually they had to put the canine on him to 
because he wouldn't show them their hands, wouldn't do any of the stuff he was supposed to do. They obviously knew he had a weapon. They'd seen it. Some of the officers had seen the weapon. We'd heard it being wrapped. He was saying, I'm going to fucking kill you. So, you know, they would have been under their SOPs. They would have been absolutely justified in using lethal force on this dude. Oh, at that point, 100%. 100%. But they used the dog instead as a less than lethal yeah. um, option. And that's why I fucking loved seeing the dog. Because the dude was shitting himself when the dog came up. That was the only thing that concerned him. Because my, my guy, um, Jeb, moved up with canine Dax. <laughs> and we were fucking right there. Yeah. I was like, oh my God, I'm not going to handle this dog. But, um... Yeah, they, they got the guy down at the bottom of the stairs. Still wasn't fully compliant. Was was just being a bit belligerent. So they were just like, okay, cool, no dramas, man. You, you've you've like you've taken these two hostages. You've got malicious intent. Wasn't taking commands. Boom, and then got hit by the dog. It's fucking awesome. They're and taken they, into custody. No, no drama. And their professionalism. Even you just reminded me. It's like when we were standing there towards the beginning of it. I was standing next to Jeb, your dude, and he's like, hey, bro, um, if if I go down. Can you take? Can you handle Dax? Take Dax's dog, and I was like, "Yeah, mate, sure." And I'm thinking, "Holy shit, this guy's so fucking professional. He's going. There's a possibility of him getting shot, getting hit in this job. Can you make sure you grab my dog so he doesn't become a problem for other officers?" Like, and because obviously you and I have that canine experience, he's like, "Can you guys handle it?" Yeah. So what he actually said was, "Sean, can you tell?" Because I wasn't there. Sean, can you tell Tom to grab my dog? Because I think at that stage you were hiding. <laughs> was, he goes, did you see Tom? I said, I can hear a whimpering noise from behind the I wall thought, over yeah. there. I think, I think he's over behind the wall. I was sort hiding of. behind you, hoping you would get bitten by the dog. Yeah, well. It, uh, but anyway, that's, that was the siege, right? And then we, we walked out, back to the car, jumped in, and that was pretty much the end of the shift. But as we walked back, we bumped into these two SWAT dudes. Um, a, a monster of a big dude, African-American dude. He's like, hey, and we're like, hey, g'day, mate. He's like, hey, bro, how are you? Like, it says hi. Um, another dude with him, a Caucasian dude, the two of them, um, who will become pertinent later in our debris story, they were both well, let's, there. Let's fast forward to that bit. So we're, we'll fast forward to SHOT Show. So, you know, when we rocked up to the scene, to the siege, and then Kyle Schoberg goes, oh, my God, you're the two Aussies. And we were just blown away, A, because we were recognised, but B, because it was Kyle Schoberg. And then he gave a shit. And then, yeah, he was like, oh, that's really and cool. so friendly. Like, they were, he's like, oh, but shook our hands. Hey, guys, welcome. Yeah, so it's f- so good to see you. But just really, really, just good guys. So fast forward to SHOT Show, right? We're standing there with Jason Semple from LE Gear, ADA, talking to the Black Rifle Coffee dudes, like publicly listed company, veteran-owned, awesome, massive in America, right? And then we see these two big units standing yeah. off. And we were like... Oh, they must want to speak to the Black Rifle guys. Yeah, and then yeah. we've all... Uh, we're talking to them for probably 15 minutes. Yeah. So those guys have speared off. We've gone inside the store and these two big units followed us in. And I was like, oh, fuck, what's going on here? Tap me on the shoulder. Have my big Origin canine shirt on. Tap me on the shoulder. And they're like, hey, man, you the two Aussies? And we're like, uh, yeah, bro. And he's like, oh, <coughs> dude, we're, fro- we're um, uh, Sheriff's Jeff Department. And- yep. Uh, SWAT and we were like oh fuck no shit Elk Grove yeah. Elk, Elk Grove, Grove sorry Elk Grove Elk Grove SWAT unit so these are the two dudes and Greg Tawney is a retired out of Elk Grove PD police department so these two dudes are like oh we saw you at the at the armed barricade you know, barricaded suspect job and we're like oh boys hey like had a big chat it was awesome just awesome dudes really really cool guys that was like one Jeff of and Ryan Ryan I think yes Ryan oh, yeah I hope that's right bro if you're listening to this, this up. I, hope I, f- I hope I didn't fuck that up two awesome guys just so humble such polite dudes both monsters big muscly guys 
just really, and they took, they waited for 15 minutes just to come and say hi to us, and I was like, I was blown away, it was so nice. That was probably one of the most, like, validating parts of the trip so far. Yeah. Was two random dudes from, like, a different state that we'd seen purely by chance at this job for, like, we just walked past, g'day guys, how you And then they, like, waited 15 minutes to speak to us, not the Black Rifle dudes. Yeah. I was like, man, that's fucking awesome, dude. And it was, and even when we were walking out of that barricaded suspect job, the department that it was, um, Citrus Heights was the department where the incident was and the Sac County Sheriff guys had come into their area to help, as had so many other departments. And as we're walking out, the incident commander there, who was a different one to Kyle Schoberg, was like, thanks gentlemen, thank you so much for coming, thanks for your help, really appreciate it, blah, blah, blah. And he's saying to us, hey, thanks so much for coming, we're like... Okay. Like the, <laughs> we didn't want to be like, yeah, no, nah, no workers, mate. Yeah, didn't want to give too much of our Australian accent away. So, yeah, even just the, how polite they were to each other and appreciative of the fact that, hey, thanks for coming into our division and helping us with this job. Really, really, you know, humble, polite dudes. It was pretty, pretty amazing. Yeah. So we meet those two dudes from their SWAT team. So they're patrol officers, part-time SWAT. Just, again, two absolute consummate professionals who we ended up, we had a chat to then, and then we caught up for coffee the next day ended up having breakfast with them or brunch with them and then Ryan one of the dudes paid for our lunch like just really really decent guys and we had a great chat exactly the same attitudes probably spent a couple of hours with them having having lunch and having coffee yeah, and just talking shit and such exactly the same stuff in policing there as in Australia all the same frustrations all the same stuff but they definitely take it more seriously oh mate 100% and because um, when I was chatting to Jeb Excuse in the me. car and he was talking about his partner that got shot, I was like, did your, almost like an interview, I was like, did your mentality change after that? And he was like, bro, I am going home to my family no matter what. Mm-hmm. And I was like, good. Mm-hmm. That's that's what I was sort of thinking you'd say. And that's the mentality you should have, I guess, hey? I'm going home to my family. Definitely. And, but what struck me was that he didn't take that I'm going home to my family mentality and go, that means I'm going to shoot everyone no way. and no one's going to get the drop of me. He was just like, I'm going to go home to my family. And the, and the way that, you know, like, I think things are portrayed in Australia or certainly the attitude of some people in Australia, when those, the members of the public were driving up, um, hey, I've got to get into this unit or whatever, and they're saying, sorry, so you can't come in here. Just so polite. And you're, you're at a job where there's, you know, a guy with a gun, Everybody that's rolling up in you potentially has weapons. It was a lower socioeconomic area, a bit of gang activity. So even though they had heads on their heads on a swivel and they were very tactically competent, there was no attitude towards the public because of that, which flies in the face of all the bullshit narrative that we hear in Australia about how over the top and aggressive police are. Yeah. Mate, can we, let's, we'll, we'll probably debrief Vegas in a different one, but I want to fast forward sure. to when we went out to those I won't say where we went because I don't want to give the dude's identity away, but the guy that was talking about um, doing the first aid on the baby. You've lost me. Um... So we were still in Sacramento and we and Greg took us out to this place where we were supposed to go and do another ride-along equivalent. Oh, but yes. But it didn't happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I don't yeah. want to give the dude's no, no, identity no. away. but Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I know what you mean now. Like, we, we went in there having a chat to these dudes that were supposed to go and do something for us, but we couldn't do it for a variety of reasons. But anyway, we'll stand around chatting with these couple of guys. And for then a couple we, of hours. Like yeah, yeah. Just for showed it. us all their equipment. Yeah. And we we're talking about the mental health thing and, you know, briefly about our experience, that type of stuff. And the guy looked like a bit of a hard ass, and we were, I think we 
spoke about it later. Even Greg was a bit like, oh man, I, I thought he was a tough nut. I didn't think I was going to be able to crack him for a convo. And it felt to, it felt as though when we walked in, one of the dudes that we met there was an ex-canine handler. Greg knew the other dude. Just, I was looking at him going, oh, he really doesn't want us here. Yeah, like, this is a fucking pain in the ass. Like he had mate. that real hard, like yeah, stoic yeah. look on his face. Yeah. But then he was, we were talking about the mental health piece and he was just like, you know, told us about his story and was like, oh yeah, I did this and this on the beat. Had some PTSD, whatnot, because I was doing some first aid on this little girl, ended up passing away and it was like doing first aid on, on my own daughter and... Doing CPR on a baby, yeah. On that, CPR on a, on a baby, his, sorry. His, and his daughter's the same age. But, like, that and the family standing around, the, the, the parents, the siblings, um, and talking to him was awesome, you know, he's saying, took me years to get help and... You know, I finally got to the point where, you know, my family and my marriage has fallen apart. I knew I had to get some shit sorted and went and spoke to some people and he said, now I'm really good. And again, just hammered home. And that conversation started like we were shooting shit about equipment they had there and asking questions about their particular unit and different things they do. And and they sort of said, um, you know, so what are you guys doing here? And we explained, you know, Tom, Tom explained what he did. And I said, oh, look, I do a lot of mental health stuff. I had PTSD, you know, Tom went through his own mental health stuff, leaving uh, the military and... And that just opened the door enough for this guy to go, yeah, well, I've been through my own stuff. And I was like, all oh, right. But we're, 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 we're two random dudes that have just rocked up to their unit, totally. not even from their country. No. And then he just like, and he, he didn't say it in a weird way. He not just was all. like, oh, yeah, man, yeah, I went through my own shit. It was, you know, and this is let, what happened. And then... And I was like, oh, mate, I said, um, are you happy to talk about it? And he's like, yeah, yeah. So this happened and this happened. And he gave us the details of... And mate, just amazing to go, he's probably a dude about my age, a couple of years older than me, so mid-50s, who was like, oh man, I wish I did this so much earlier. And the reason that I think that's, thanks for bringing it up, mate, because that's a really important thing that you just really, we're looking at, um, you know, cops, soldiers, whoever, you guys listening to this, go and talk to people about the shit that you've experienced early, even if you think it's not impacting you. There's a really interesting part that this um, guy was talking about was, he said, you know, I, I thought I was fine. He said, but now in hindsight, I was angry. I shut off from my family. I, you know, was bringing my work home. And and it's just something that he has some regrets over. Me, similarly, you know, how any of you guys who've listened to my interview on Tom's podcast, um, the same thing, you know, like I was 35 before I really started getting help with it. It was when my daughters were born, thankfully. But That's two years from now for me. Yeah. Two years from now. Yeah. yeah. So... You know, that's, I had a lot of life under my belt before I got help, and unfortunately, that contributes very much to that situation with my daughter's mum and I, where I don't see my, my girls much, and all of those difficult things, because I just didn't get help early enough. Now, really, in hindsight, I go 22 years of age, I was in the canine unit running on my own, and I really should have been talking to someone from then. I really should have been talking to someone from the day I got sworn into the fucking, fucking police. day dot. Day dot, every first day out of training, every three months, go and talk to a counsellor, psychologist, someone, Please do that if you're listening to this and you're a police officer, military, any other first responder. It's so fucking important. Yeah. Because, like, I don't know the science behind <coughs> it, but if you talk about that sort of stuff, A, it'll probably bring up an emotional reaction, which I think most people are scared of, like they don't want to cry or whatever. Sure. But B, does it help process it? Is that what it like Yeah, happens? 100%. So the whole Almost thing. like sleeping, like you have to process it, otherwise it just gets stored totally. somewhere and then and it comes up later? It made very, yeah, the science is super simple, right? in the sense of think of your think of your mind as a bucket you just fill it up with all the trauma challenge difficulty that you have in your life and normal life 
cop soldiers have so much more of that, then you get to a point where the bucket overflows, and that means you're angrier, you drink more, whatever it is. You gamble, you watch porn, you know, you, you're addicted to whatever. You're fighting with your, your partner more, husband, wife, your kids. And when you go and talk to someone, and I'm, you know, in the last 12 months, I've done a fair bit of stuff um, in my old department with, with my um, dog squad canine unit. And a number of those men and women have now gone and seen a psychologist, who uh, Mark Kelly, who's at Elevation Psychology, one of the founders of Blue Hope in Queensland, police charity. So if you are someone who is looking for help, go to Mark Kelly from Elevation Psychology. He knows he's an ex-federal um, police officer, so he gets it. And the amount of those men and women that have come back to me and gone, oh, man, thank you so much. And a couple of them, you know, I've had pretty brutal conversations with and been like, if you do not get your shit together, then this is the end this, of the road. This is what you, you know. This is what you're looking at, and yeah. it's amazing. You know how much these these guys and girls have come back and said, "Hey, thanks. It's made a huge difference." Because all the talk therapy is literally you're talking through reactions and whatever. And the psychologists they're going, "That's a normal reaction." Yep, that's a normal reaction. Here's deal with it. Sleep, meditate, all these other things, and it's a validation that you are not weak. You're not losing your mind. It's it's not like you are in any way, you know, less than because of you're doing that stuff and it's really to you know understand that for men and women going through these types of challenges going the earlier you can go and start emptying that bucket the earlier you can get that impact the better it's going to be and like the fact that the guy that particular guy at that unit had to do that CPR and the baby that didn't end up living yeah like for me oh man I tell you what that would have like well you think with your daughter who's with my, nine my months, daughter you know, yeah. she's less than 12 months old it was a similar scenario from what you're saying. His daughter was similar age. He probably would have been similar age to you, right? Yeah. You go, imagine now dealing with that trauma, with that, you've got such an emotional connection and emotional vulnerability to trauma because of that relatability of your own daughter that age. And that guy carried that stuff for 15 years or something before he got any help. But that, for me, that, that speaks to... So you know when you talk about like service in the army or the cops or whatever, like... Part of that service and the sacrifice is to your own health. Like Absolutely. you see and do that shit so other people don't do it. So that guy was doing first aid on that baby, but their family wasn't. CPR on the baby. Yeah, yeah. sorry, yeah, CPR on the baby. So the whole fucking family standing around, yeah. probably like in shock. Like, remember he said they'll cry and screaming. And yeah, but that guy is like, well, I'm, I'm the guy. Someone's got to fucking do it. I yeah. fucking sign no the dotted line, so totally. I'm going to do CPR on your baby. Yeah. And that was, that was, that kind of highlighted to me, I was like, you know what, I'm, I don't want to put myself in that position anymore. Like, I'm sure. not, I'm no longer, like, don't get me wrong, like, I would 100% do whatever I needed to keep a baby alive or, of or whatever, but yeah, yeah, of course. I'm no longer in that sacrifice mindset. Yeah. Like, I, I need to be at home, that's where my place is. Yeah. But, I've moved on from the, the being in the service and that sacrifice mentality but there are other people who haven't. They're still doing that shit that we all forget about. Totally. So, like, I consider myself just a regular future member of the public now. Oh, me too. But, yeah, yeah, I consider you that as well. <laughs> no, no, I consider myself that definitely. Yeah, like, but there are still people who are doing the shit that I used to do or that you used to do. But it's, it's hard for day me to put myself over. in that mentality now because I'm removed from it. But then for him to say that, I was like, oh, shit, that stuff fucking happens 
every single fucking day. There's someone going through it right now. And you and I have both served, like I was in the cops 13 years, you're in the military 12, like similar time frames. And yet still for me, it's theoretical now where I go, you know, the stuff that cops and soldiers go through and fireys, ambos, nurses, doctor, emergency doctors, nurses, all of these other people, that prison officers, the stuff that they deal with and go through every day, we are oblivious to as members of the public because it's not in our face. And whilst that ride along in the canine unit, and you know, hopefully we're going to get a hook up in Dallas and Texas to do the same thing, we're on the way to hang up some police canine handlers now. To us, it's a novelty. We're like, oh, it was so cool to get out and ride along with the canines and go to this armed barricaded suspect. But these men and women are doing it every day. And but like, imagine that that baby that guy was doing CPR on. That could have been the first job of, yeah. a, of a twelve-hour shift or whatever their shifts are, eight hours totally. That could have been the first one. Yep. Next one could be domestic violence. Next the one after that is like a, a death notice. Like, it was fun for us. We had a good yippee at that ride along. But fuck, man, imagine that's what I mean when I was like, it just gave me a new appreciation doing that every single fucking day. And there's there's the fun stuff with the the adrenaline filled stuff, and there's the stuff where you just like, I really wish I hadn't seen that. But these men and women are turning up every day, risking their lives literally risking their lives and whether it's in Australia or America here wherever it is and doing their absolute best and unfortunately we just don't appreciate it certainly in Australia we don't I think in the US here there is some more appreciation of law enforcement and military like when we got to the airport in LAX when we landed we were getting our connecting flight to Sacramento you know they were calling the flights and saying military current you know serving military um, board the aircraft first there's there's a lot more of that innate national pride in military I think in a, in what well, I don't think there is definitely in the US than in Australia but yeah again there was certainly um, as we we're talking to those two SWAT dudes at SHOT Show they were saying yeah like very often we'll go to get coffee and um, someone would have paid for our coffee for us and so there's a lot more of that appreciation of what law enforcement do day to day I think here in the States despite the fact that a lot of the media reports and what we see in Australia is people hate the cops, it's Black Lives Matter, blah, blah, blah. That's just was not, not that hasn't been our experience of it at all. Nah, no way, man, yeah. So, and I can't stand that putrid media shit like that. They're just, they're just there for the clicks and the likes, mate, you know what I mean? Like, they're just, sure. they're looking to, to evoke a reaction. Yes. And they cherry, it's this kind of the same as anything else. You cherry pick the, the pieces that are relevant to you. Like, they'll, they'll cherry pick some some particularly heinous case and then like broadcast it like it's happening every every single day absolutely yeah but um yeah so that was sacramento so we uh then we went and did a training a, a full shift of training night which was awesome getting to see them run their dogs through uh different scenarios uh i got to do one of my two-hour workshops on critical stress uh which was awesome i really really enjoyed that and we got some great feedback and then you got to run them all through your gear, which they absolutely loved. And mm, a number of them went out and, you know, you were getting orders on your phone on the way home that night from that training night where they were like, you know, different people had bought different pieces of equipment and were super, super uh, um, complimentary on the gear you'd made and, yeah. and everything you did. So, yeah, it was awesome. That So there was probably 20, maybe like 15 or 20 people in that group. Um, a dozen handlers and a couple of their sergeants and training guys and you know Greg Tawney was there we um, were hanging out, hung out for the day with his a good friend of his an ex-canon handler who's 
recently retired Hector who was just an awesome dude really really <laughs> Hector was a funny dude awesome guy I've got, I've got time for Hector man. really good guy so the four of us were rolling around uh, you know going to training with them and I jumped we went and had dinner with them all at this Mexican restaurant it was cool just got to sit down and shoot the shit and talk to them about what they did and I jumped and rolled with uh, another guy from um, <coughs> another PD Pittsburgh PD which is Pittsburgh and Sacramento not the town itself and uh, Zach who's a great young dude. We are just cruising along. He was telling me what it was like working there. Um, so I jumped in his car and drove with him, you know, to the from the restaurant to the training area. Had a good chat to him. Really, really good guy. So, again, got a great exposure to them, what they like. And they're all just the same personalities that, you know, our cops, soldiers back home, everybody the same. Just really caring, good individuals, good dark sense of humour. Like, they were laughing at our funny, what we think is funny humour, using the same stuff themselves. Watch them handle their dogs. They were so professional. Um, and at the end, what I really loved is they, they ran a, just a very simple tactical exercise where they had to put their dog into a room. There oh, like a, a quick decision exercise, yeah, yeah a quick, QDE for the military audience. Yeah, so where they had to, you know, there was a burglary suspect, that's all they knew. They went in with a cover officer, dog goes in, takes a bite, it's quiet. So the, the um, normally the decoy will make a lot of noise. In this instance, they stay silent, they turn up, they've got a gun at their head, at their own head. The officers got to deal with it, and they all dealt with it amazingly well. Their reaction times, their, their situational awareness and tactics was brilliant. They um, managed it perfectly. It was an un- unknown scenario. It was a test scenario, and you know we were there. The trainers were there, so you know there was a lot of people watching. And you could tell a couple of them were nervous because everyone was watching. Was so so normal. I used to have that when I was a handler, and I was filming too. So I filmed, yeah. I filmed each scenario, <clears throat> and they did so well. It was amazing. Yeah. No, the whole thing, mate, I was just fucking blown away by how fucking... The whole operation, so Greg's training, the way Greg, Greg's hospitality in Candace. Oh, I'm, I'm The way those canine dudes were just absolute go-getters, but still nice and professional and still quite measured. Um, the command and control from Kyle Schoberg at that scene. Um, like, the appreciation and acknowledgement from the SWAT dudes when we got to Vegas. Um, and just the... Uh, like the, the technical competence from Greg and his team when they were out doing some training, man. So and just how generally welcoming everyone was to us. Yeah. Nobody gave us a cold shoulder. Everybody was like, "Hey, nice to talk to you." They'd answer our stupid questions. Even before they knew we were Aussies, you know, they weren't like. No one was like arms crossed, staring at us like, "Who the fuck are these two dudes?" No, not at all. Cool, um, yeah. They were like that with you afterwards, but that's <laughs> probably just assessment of your personality. But they were, yeah, it was awesome, and. Uh, so to all of you guys that we met in Sacramento, epic. Thank you so much. It was uh, such an enjoyable time. And I learned so much. Definitely going to be back 100%. to do some more stuff, with, especially the police mental health stuff, however I can contribute. Had a couple of um, the people there saying, hey, I'm going to go to my chief. We definitely want you to come back. Had some anonymous feedback, which I totally stuffed up in the sense of I didn't even really tell them what was there. But they... Um, had uh, eight or ten of them leave anonymous feedback on my presentation that's super positive which was what I was hoping would happen I was absolutely pumped because I didn't know how it would translate over here but um, it's exactly the same wasn't it it was awesome yeah. they were really really appreciative in a lot of ways even more so than probably Australian cops what I've found with the people here in the US they seem a little bit more open to these conversations about mental health and different things I think so um, yeah so yeah Awesome. So there's our short debrief of probably 90 minutes for uh, yeah. or whatever it was. Now let's do Vegas. <laughs> for the first five days. So strap <laughs> yourself in for the next uh, next one that we will do 
shortly in yeah. Vegas. I think that's probably we'll enough. Vegas. Oh, fuck, I'll probably do it tomorrow, man. I couldn't be fucked doing it today. I oh, know, no, we won't do it now. But I mean, yeah. that's probably enough. That's the next one, yeah. For these guys, I don't know how long we've been rolling, maybe an hour and a half or something. So I can't tell. Yeah, it doesn't probably, say anything. Probably too late. It's too long. All right, well, thanks, guys. Thanks for listening into our insane ramblings. Um, but to, long to story three, short... To the three of you that have stuck to, to now, <laughs> we really appreciate it. Thanks, Mum. <laughs> um, yeah, so thanks for listening to the debrief. That was uh, that was good. It was good to just chat it out, too, because yeah, yeah. like, I got to process a bit of it and think about it in a different way, I guess. It actually put me into that, um, yeah, that appreciation of how cool it was. Like, we've sort of been on such... You know, Vegas was a million miles an hour. Oh, fucking hell, wasn't it? San Diego's the same. Like, we've been on the move so quickly that it was. it's really nice to just stop and go back over all the stuff we did and how welcoming everybody has been. So thank you all so very much. It was amazing. Yeah. Thanks, guys. And, and we'll, Candace um, and Greg, Tony, yeah. once again, especially. Your hospitality was amazing. Thank you so much how you looked after us. The, you guys are very special human beings. That We will be getting Greg... Um, and Candice to Australia to run a seminar on tactical handling. Oh, canines. absolutely. So, if yeah, if you're listening and you haven't heard of Greg, Greg Tawney from DTAC Canine. That's so DT. Delta Tango Alpha Kilo Niner. Um, so, he's, no, 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 I think no, it was... Delta Tango Alpha Charlie. Oh, Alpha Charlie. Kilo Niner. So, yeah. DTAC K9 on Instagram. Uh, awesome guy. Follow his stuff. Really, really good individual. Check out yeah. the Police Canine Radio podcast. We did that as well with oh, Rich Hartman, which we didn't even talk about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we did an hour and a half podcast. Tom spent an hour and ten minutes talking about all his gear and boring him to death. You can watch that on Police Canine Radio. Rich Hartman, ex-canine handler from Same Departments. I was who... saving the audience from your fucking insane, <laughs> insane ramblings. I was just trying to draw it out as long as I could. He, uh, Rich Hartman's a dude we met. Great guy. He's from Ridside R-I-D-G-E-S-I-D-E canine NorCal N-O-R-C-A-L as in Northern California X 25 year I think law enforcement canine handler now has a training business puts out epic content go check him out as well awesome guy yeah. Shots Fired podcast with Kyle Schoberg check that out Police Canine Radio podcast check that out epic dudes really really good information so if you're a canine handler you're not listening to Police Canine Radio podcast you're insane because they yourself, go into give a yourself heap, an uppercut yeah definitely they go into a heap of amazing um, technical information around dog training around you know I was just listening to one thing and I won't bore you with what it was they explained it so much better but one thing with an e-collar with tone how to use that with your dog I was like holy shit I would never have thought of that so their technical knowledge is amazing if you're a canine handler or a budding canine handler listen to it yeah that's it guys alright we'll see you next time for the next debrief uh, or I'll probably release a bonus episode I think with Tony Blauer so anyway guys thanks for listening catch you soon thank you for listening to the show and we hope it inspired you to be better and live at your potential stay tuned for our next episode or check out our range of tactical canine equipment at www.origincanine.com